is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. We start things out by going right to your phone calls to the amp line. Matt in Illinois, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello. Good evening, guys. Hey, what's, what's on happening? your mind? Um, a couple, uh, few days back on uh, one of your shows, Somebody mentioned running red lights. Okay. And um, my little brother has been fighting seatbelt laws in Illinois. He took it kind of a very personal. He doesn't like having his money extorted. That's how he looks at it. I don't blame him. And, and he feels that he should be able to decide whether or not he wants to wear his seatbelts. And whenever I bring up the fact that we shouldn't have seatbelt laws, somebody always inevitably says, well, if we don't have these laws, everybody's going to be running red lights. As you Wait, start talking you know, more general terms about vehicle laws. Okay. And, and it always ends up there. So when I heard this, I said to myself, so what? I started looking when I stop at red lights. And... This last week, I've spotted at least a dozen times where it would have been safe for me to go through that red light. Absolutely. Where I was waiting for nobody. Yep. And so what if I run a red light when that when that happens? It's not like I'm going to run a red light right into traffic. I'm not stupid. <laughs> people aren't stupid when they're driving out the But the, the government people believe that you are. The government people believe that the, everybody else besides them is incapable of handling themselves out on the roads, and so therefore they need to have as much babying-style uh, road signage and, and light, lighting and things like that as they possibly can. There was one intersection... Uh, down where we come from, Mark, in Florida, that uh, was on a, this big road called University Parkway. It was like three lanes on each side, three or four lanes on each side of the road, like a big, big road. And uh, th- th- there was one point at where there was just this green light for a left turn. And so you kind of had to make your own decision as to when to turn left, basically. And so because some old lady was unable to correctly turn left there and ended up getting T-boned as she was trying to cross uh, you know the, the the oncoming lanes of traffic to turn left they then decided to install you know spend who knows how much money uh to install some brand new system involving a uh, brand new light with the left turn arrow on it now nobody can go i mean if they're unless they're breaking the law uh now nobody can turn left until the left turn arrow tells them so 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 they took away everybody's ability to make their own decision for themselves because one person couldn't handle it it's the you know it's the lowest common denominator among traffic traffic uh, laws and, and uh, among traffic rules. That's how the system works. Whatever the dumbest person is is what it's designed for, essentially. Exactly. It's And it drives me nuts when people say that. And, I mean, I saw my brother try everything to fight these seatbelt laws. And he went, uh, he went and got uh, the ticket slayer and was getting lots of help and was on the phone with the guy for a long amount of time. And mm-hmm. He just... When he got to court, he didn't even try to use it. He just gave up. It broke him. 
it just broke. It's a tough system, man. I mean, if yep. you if you keep pushing them, they throw you in a cell. <laughs> I found that out. Huh? That's what he said. He said he didn't want to go to jail, and he right. just he gave up. Well, and, I don't blame him. It's, it's really too bad because here he was. He's fighting something that, in, in my opinion, is unconstitutional. I know you guys don't high, hold the highest team the Constitution. Mark does, but I know you don't. But still, I mean, I can decide for myself whether or not I, I have to wear a seatbelt all the time. But I should be able to not wear one if I decide I don't want to wear one. Absolutely. It's, it's ridiculous. And now they're putting up all these uh, cameras at the stoplight. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're finding accidents starting to happen because people are slamming on their brakes. Right. They don't yep. even want to take the chance of going through the yellow light. The fact is those cameras on stoplights increase accidents. Facts, yeah. absolutely. When you look at the numbers and statistics, yeah. yeah and they don't care. <laughs> they, don't. they don't. They want the revenue from the light, they and, the and they don't care about your life or the life of your child. Well, a, a nice protest like you're talking about, people refusing to obey stupid traffic laws, I think would work very well up here where we actually have the activists to uh, to back up your little brother in in the event that he decided to go through with something like that. Uh, because Illinois, I mean, good luck turning things around there, you know? I just don't know if there's any hope. I, mean, I know there are people out there that really believe that, that they've got something going on. I mean, there's, we talk about the Bureaucrash social website, and we'll be telling you a little bit more about that here in a little bit. Uh, but I've been posting some, in some threads on there about the Free State Project and, you know, asking people what their objections are. And people really want to believe that they've got something going on in their state. And if that's true, I think it's fantastic. I mean, there are these guys over in Virginia that they really feel like they've got it happening and like they're going to turn around the Because Virginia is not actually attached to the heart of the beast. Yeah, they, they believe they're going to turn around the ship of state, and I said to them, well, you know, I look forward to, to hearing what your plan is, because uh, they said they're going to let us know when they when they uh, iron out all the details, what their plan is to, you know, to, to advance liberty there. I said, I look forward to hearing it, because uh, I'm sure we'll, you know, I'm sure if they're, it's good ideas, we're going to borrow them here in New Hampshire. So, still waiting. Well, I'm coming out there in March. I'm going to, I've, I've got my tickets for the Liberty Forum. I need oh, to great. make reservations at the hotel, so I'll be there in March, but... Uh, and I'll, I'm going to look for a job out there and try to find some place. And I told my brother, I said, if I move out here, you're welcome to come and live with me. Yeah. He can get a job out there easily because he delivers pizzas for a living. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's still people ordering pizzas out there, no doubt about it. You know, uh, some people will critique you, though, on this, uh, Matt, and they'll say some of the more, I guess, politically oriented uh, activists will say, well, what, what are you doing here? The, traffic laws? Why Why don't you pick your battles a little bit better? huh? Why Why can't you pick a real issue where liberty's really a threat here? Why do you have to pick this one? People don't understand this, Matt. What would you well, say to that? It's the small issues that matter. It's the details. I agree with you. The larger, I think the, lar- the larger issues are, 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 are more difficult to, to, to tackle, and if you don't have a base of small issues, that are tackled, how are you going to, you know, if you don't have a base when you're trying to climb a mountain, how are you going to get to the top? It's these, it's these micromanaging rules 
whether it's uh, you must stop at this light or you must clean your yard to an appropriate extent or, you know, as in Kenneth City down in Florida, you must keep your inside of your house neat. I mean, it's the, the micromanaging little teeny city level, state level rules that are the most, I think, the most controlling. The federal government's relatively easy to get away from as far as their rules and regulations, uh, but the state and the, the local governments are, are the most tyrannical, but it doesn't seem it on its face. It seems, oh, well, we need these rules. We need It'll be anarchy on the roads without all these rules. And I, I think it is a good issue, and I think that it's something that affects so many people, but they just kind of blow it off because it doesn't seem like life and death to them. It doesn't seem like, well, you're not talking about murder. This isn't rape. This isn't serious. What are you doing in this, you know, protesting in this area? This isn't serious. So why do you, you expect people to be taking you seriously, and you're talking about red lights? Well, yeah. That's right. It's a significant waste of people's time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of gasoline sitting there idling at some red light while the other three lanes on all the other sides of the road are completely empty in the middle of the night just sitting there waiting for it to turn green. How many people and how much time has been wasted just sitting there? I think that's a pretty big issue. It is. And if you're going to be politically involved... What are you going to do? You're going to be politically involved in the uh, federal government right away? You got that kind of money? You got that kind of influence? You have influence in your town. You have local influence. You have your neighbors you can talk to. You have your friends. You have um, uh, enough money to make a few flyers or to do something innovative and try to try to get on one of the city councils or or do something like that. Is if you're if you're going to be politically involved, become politically involved locally first. Good call. Thank. You, oh, go ahead. You were saying Hello? you're still there. Go ahead. Yeah, and then um, and then, so once you once if you get involved locally and you're successful locally, then you can move up the ladder. You can, but hopefully we'll be do. so successful locally we won't have a ladder to move up. We'll cut it off and secede. <laughs> Thanks for the call, dude. More on the way. You can take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Features include the bulletin board system, over 400,000 posts. There's an awful lot to talk about. And you'll find it all free, from serious issues to fun stuff, over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. So if you love liberty, check out Bureaucrash Social. It's the place for you to connect with freedom fighters from around the world. At Bureaucrash Social, you can share your ideas, obtain resources, and document your activism, as well as find awesome videos and pictures uploaded by other bureaucrashers. Go to bureaucrash.com to learn more. That's bureaucrash. Dot com. You know, I don't know. I used to have trouble spelling bureau. So B-U-R-E-A-U. You know, you didn't even spell it right in your copy here, Mark. B-U-R-E-A-U. Crash. Bureaucrash.com. All right. You know, so, Google will spell it for you, right? Yeah, you should run that through Google. See if they catch any more errors. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, that's the number for you. You can bring up anything. We go to the email box. And we'll start out with... Uh, 
this guy emailed in, and he, he seemed a little confused. And you actually took the time to write him back, Mark. I was kind of surprised you did this. Did he get back to you? Yes. All right. Well, here's his original email from William. Greetings, guys. Your radio program is captivating. Thank you for your occasionally enlightening material. Enlightening. I would like to introduce an idea and listen to the discussion that might follow. I don't have a telephone available to me, but I do have email 7 slash 24 and am present oftentimes as I write a publish, write and publish a local tiny newspaper. I'm very pro-freedom, but that's where I get on my soapbox and become interesting. I would like to address this hoaxy flim-flam ruse called the Free State New Project. Before I go further, I give my acknowledgement to the folks who are initiating this project. I believe you're sincerely motivated to do some good, and if life were really simple, your ambitions would be just fine as is. If you have simply failed to put forward what I suggest, then put them forward. However, I see some flaws. The biggest item is missing. If a new state is to be proposed, a social contract must be at the base of the union proposed. Do you guys, the inventors of the Free State Project, have a proposed constitution or other social contract? That's the first thing I want to see. Otherwise, in everything I've been able to find, I have not found a real binding statement. Would you like some help? How how are constitutions binding? Well, he believes in the social contract. I mean, he, he kind of uses them interchangeably. He's looking for a proposed constitution or other social contract. So I guess he, he considers a constitution to be a social contract. But to answer your question, Mark, there is no way a constitution could be binding because we didn't sign it. Of course, then again, that's the suggestion behind the social contract. Nobody alive that, signed uh, any of the right. ones that I've ever lived in a state uh, for. I mean, I'm sure, I guess Hawaii probably has a constitution that someone's alive that uh, was around when it was signed. Well, all you, all your silly facts, Mark, do not matter to those who believe in the social contract, to those who believe that there is some sort of document, whether it actually exists or if it simply exists in the minds of others, uh, whether that document, uh, there are people that believe that there is this social contract and that by existing in a specific geographic landmass, you agree to it. That's what they believe. And so it's clear that William is one of those believers as well. And I have to say that. Well, he's, I think William's uh, confused on one, one subject in particular. What's that? He believes that we want to start a new state. Like, uh, like yes. a, for some reason, we want to cut New Hampshire in half. Well, he or actually something? does call it the Free State New Project, not the Free State Project. And no, that's not what the Free State Project is about. It's not starting a brand new state. The, the Free State Project is a very simple concept. So let me lay it out here in case we've not been clear enough in the past. Very simple. The Free State Project only exists to move as many liberty loving people as possible to New Hampshire. What they do when they arrive is completely up to them. So if they want to push for the repeal of legislation, they can do that. If they want to push for secession, they can do that. If they want to do civil disobedience, if they want to create media, if they want to do some other market-based activism, they can do that. There's no organization that is uh, – there's no leadership that is saying, you must go here and do this, you must go here and do that. Uh, these are your options. You can only choose from these options. No. Simple concept. Move liberty activists to the same geographical region and then see what happens. And what we're seeing is some pretty amazing stuff. What we're seeing is that the over 600 people that are here on part of the uh, uh, on behalf or I, I don't know if behalf is accurate, but as part of the Free State Project, those over 600 people have gotten active and they have done some amazing things and they have created organizations in the uh, the political realm that have been unheard of in other states. 
they've done things in the uh, civil disobedience and non-cooperation realm that haven't been done since Gandhi and uh, Rosa Parks. I mean, we're talking about some real civil disobedience, real powerful stuff. So they are doing Ninety-something people who are endorsed by the New Hampshire Liberty Alliance. That's a, that's an organization that was started by the Free State Project mem- uh, membership. Members, yeah. uh, Ninety people were elected to the uh, legislature this year. And four of them were actual Free State Project members. So there's some real progress happening here. But no, the goal is to not start a new state. If anything, I think that a lot of Free Staters, and I don't mean to speak for them all, I think a lot of them, I'm not going to say most of them, I think a lot of them absolutely support the idea of secession, which would not be creating a new state, but instead severing the connections of this one state from the larger mass known as the United States. But his, uh, likely, his um, uh, his concerns that he's going to uh, get into later... I can see why we'd have continue to have those concerns, even if uh, secession was the goal. Now, are these concerns in a response that he wrote to you? Because I have not gotten these. Um, it's at the bottom there. He he's basically offers to write the Constitution. Right. He wants he wants to know about the you know is there a social contract? He proposes that he could work on it. And I think that you know the New Hampshire Constitution. Thank I have you not for read. that. I mean anybody anybody yeah. who wants to uh, get active, sure, get active, yeah. great. But I, I don't agree with the social contract. Uh, period. I don't really care. Uh, what your social contract would but say. But don't you think that the, um, there should be a, um, a constitution saying there's no constitution at the That's very least? That's confusing to me. There's a constitution saying there's no constitution? Don't you think there should be a constitution, just to, as a placeholder for something that someone might try to institute at some other time? I don't really see how any piece of paper is going to prevent someone who's violent from instituting what it is. That they want. I know that's the people. I know that's the uh, the excuse for for government for the minarchists who have not let go of the idea of the violent monopoly. Uh, but mm, yeah, if there's somebody that's that wants to be violent, a piece of paper saying you can't do that isn't going to do anything, as we've seen. So they ignore the constitutions they have today. I don't see why they wouldn't ignore whatever constitutions might come in the future. But all that said, I think that if you're looking at constitutions. I can't say that I've read the entirety of the New Hampshire Constitution, but I've read several of the first 10 or so or 15 articles. I've read the whole thing. And it's a pretty darn good constitution. I mean, it's it's pretty good. I think it has uh, some of the same problems that all the constitutions and all the states yeah. have, is it doesn't have teeth. It doesn't have punishments for the bureaucrats that might violate it. Mm. It doesn't uh, – you know, and, and the punishments should be extreme. Uh, you know, and that way they won't violate these constitutions as quickly as they do. So there you have it, William. I thank you for the email and I thank you for the concern. Uh, the Free State Project, not a, me- a method to create a new state, but instead simply a train, simply an idea, simply something to get people here to New Hampshire so they can get active, so we can have liberty in our lifetime. So go and visit them over at freestateproject.org, and we'll tell you more about the Free State Project Liberty Forum later tonight. Uh, Plus, we'll take your calls about whatever's on your mind. You can bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Attention, freedom activists. If you're planning your move to New Hampshire, you know that Manchester is the heart of the free state. But finding an apartment when you're out of state can be a major pain in the... You need Prickle. Prickle has apartment rentals designed to meet your needs. There's no minimum length of stay. They accept payment in silver or gold. And responsible firearms owners are welcome. To find your new home in the heart of Manchester's growing Liberty Enclave, log on right now to Prickle.com. That's P-R-I-C-L dot com.
is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind if you dial the toll-free number, 1-800-259-9231. That number brought to you by our friends over at SACL CAI, 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, including the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Speaking of SACL CAI, they're the number one sponsor of Free Talk Live. The show wouldn't certainly be in the uh, form that it is today if it wasn't for SACL CAI's support. So uh, if you have some way to support SACL CAI with, uh, you know, if you've got a business or, you know, somebody who does... Go ahead and turn over your accounts receivable to them. They'll do a a better job than you're doing, likely. <laughs> SACL CAI. Uh, you can check out their banner at freetalklive.com. It's right at the uh, upper right-hand corner of the page. SACL CAI. All right. 1-800-259-9231. Shows about your calls. Otherwise, we uh, go to emails and stories and stuff like that. And here's a quick one. Since we were talking about intellectual property last night, I've actually been holding on to this for like six months. It's a quote from Thomas Jefferson about intellectual property. Because there are a lot of people listening to this show that uh, consider themselves constitutionalists and are really into old TJ. So here's what he had to say. If nature has made any one thing less susceptible than all others of exclusive property, it is the action of the thinking power called an idea, which which an individual may exclusively possess as long as he keeps it to himself. But the moment it is divulged. It forces itself into the possession of everyone, and the receiver cannot dispossess himself of it. Its peculiar character, too, is that no one possesses the less, because every other possesses the whole of it. He who receives an idea from me receives instruction himself without lessening mine, as he who lights his taper at mine receives light without darkening mine, or without darkening me. That ideas should freely spread from one to another over the globe for the moral and mutual instruction of man and improvement of his condition seems to have been peculiarly uh, peculiarly and benevolently designed by nature when she made them, like fire, expansible over all space, without lessening their density in any point, and like the air in which we breathe, move, and have our physical being, incapable of confinement or exclusive appropriation. Inventions, then, cannot, in nature... Be a subject of property. So, yes, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, Thomas Jefferson's uh, stance on intellectual property. Thomas Jefferson coming out hardcore in favor of the, the freedom to have ideas and the freedom to reproduce ideas because, as he rightfully points out, those ideas can be copied eternally with no uh, property detriment to the original creator of the idea. Sure, you can shout and scream about how, well, my profits, my potential for profits have been reduced, but nothing actual has been taken from you. Nothing tangible has been taken from you. So if you like your ideas and you don't want anybody else to know about them, then it's up to you, in my opinion, to do what it takes, to spend the money that it takes to uh, to initiate whatever technological uh, things you need to, to protect your ideas from uh, the others' discovery. And if they get out, then you just have to deal with that, in my opinion. I don't think that there's any – you have no right to go to a monopoly – a violent monopolistic gang and have them enforce uh, over other people, you know, them not doing anything with your ideas. So I'm with TJ on this one. Well, um, I, you know, I would not dispute any of the facts of what he's uh, you know, said there, and I, I've never disputed them with you. However, what I would dispute is – what uh, industries there are many industries that would uh, i can you know certainly name two 
that would change uh, dramatically, maybe, uh, you know, t- to great harm to man as a whole. And you and I have had this discussion on multiple uh, occasions here where the, you're, you're so ideological that you don't care about what the detriment might be to people. Oh, Mark, what about the big three automakers? If we were to just let the marketplace work, they might go out of business, and that would be detrimental to a lot of people. People would lose their jobs. It'd be a tough time for all those folks. That's why we need to bail out those companies. That's the argument you're making. Um, I'm not making that argument. That I, is the argument. I'm you're only saying, saying oh God, you people can, might get hurt. You can, uh, it's, it's possible, and I'm not sure, but it's possible that you could just forget about advances in medicine, and you could just forget about right, new movies. Right, because nobody wants to. Nobody wants to entertain anybody else, and nobody wants to help anybody else feel better. Sure, Mark, that's right. Because the only reason why people are uh, helpful towards one another is because there's a violent monopolistic gang out there sitting in the wings waiting. The reason for them. that people are give uh, me a break. The reason that people do expensive. Uh, Research and development is because they can expect to recoup some of the costs from that expensive research and development. Mark, you and I both know that the expensive research and development is expensive because of the FDA putting incredibly uh, onerous and expensive and time-consuming roadblocks in front of those companies. Plus, there's also the cost of the patent lawyers and patent attorneys and and all that process that they need to go through. So the R&D is expensive because of government uh, and without no, that, government that, around, that, it'd be a lot that's cheaper. That's a non sequitur. That, the R&D is expensive, and the government portion of the R&D is certainly expensive. You don't know, and I don't know, uh, how much of the expense of research and development is government, and how much of it is just actual reality. Yeah. I don't really care, Mark, because I understand that initiating force against my neighbor is wrong, regardless of what the moral uh, view might be of the results of the initiation of force. Going door to door and stealing from people in order to make medicine, even though the making of medicine is a very noble thing, the stealing kind of negates all of the nobility, just kind of sucks it all right out. So I think that if people value certain products and services, then they should be willing to support them on a voluntary basis. I, for one, think it's a great idea to have various different medical technologies, both, you know, sort of of the typical realm and also the natural kind of technology or the natural uh, seeds and and plants and stuff that people are are using to uh, to help themselves feel better. Whatever it is that works, I support. And I would have no problem in in a different economy, in a more free market world, I would have no problem contributing to efforts if for whatever reason it was just too hard for these companies to make a profit at helping people uh you know if that's the truth which i don't believe but if that turned out to be the truth i'm sure that i and many other people who would have more income at our disposal would be absolutely happy to contribute to those agencies out there doing that research on a uh, essentially a charitable uh, charitable uh, basis at that point whether it be a charity or some sort of university or some alternative uh, alternative construction of mankind that has not yet been uh, envisioned simply because we haven't been in that particular economic scenario. Whatever it would be, I imagine that people would find health and long life pretty valuable and would be willing to support it. And the suggestion that human beings wouldn't is going right back to the old objection that, oh, we need the state around because no one would give to charity if it weren't for the state. Everybody would just keep all their money and they wouldn't do anything nice for anyone else. That's why we need this monopoly gang around. Oh, I I, I wouldn't make that argument. The argument I would make is uh, it seems pretty 
silly to me to turn uh, something that currently is is a profitable business working under guidelines that have been set down in, in law that people can understand and look up. I, I'll, I'll admit they need to be changed, a great deal of them, and you and I will probably never be people that can change them. However, uh, you, you've got a profitable business. To turn that into some kind of charity seems silly to me. So basically what you're saying is that if New Hampshire was to secede, you would be out there pushing hard for the New Hampshire uh, FDA. You'd be out there pushing hard for the New Hampshire. I wouldn't push for any uh, – the, the FDA, I think, is an organization that uh, hurts people. You'd want to open people. up the New Hampshire Patent Office uh, so that business could continue in its current coercive manner. Um, I, I, you know, because you're scared. My business doesn't have anything to do with that. So. Because you're scared, though. You're scared, Mark, about what what might happen. Oh, all these businessmen that have been benefiting from the violence of the state are going to have a tough time. Oh, boo hoo! I'm not really concerned about the businessmen, Ian. I think I've made it more. Who are you abundantly. concerned about? The people who take drugs to live, man. Yeah. Well, they'd get they'd get them quicker if Screw there's no them. FDA. Screw them. They can have freedom. Let them eat cake. There was no if there's no FDA, they'd have more drugs on the market that they could take. Not immediately. And the FDA would not be preventing the natural solutions from advertising their benefits. You and I both know what the problems are with this with the system, and the current status quo keeps drugs out of people's hands, and it keeps people from knowing what the natural solutions might possibly be. Those are just two of the examples, let alone you know the increased cost factor and the various other problems with the FDA. So I have no love for the status quo. And the FDA I understand, does not protect intellectual property. I understand that people in search. You were talking about costs. I understand that people in search of profit will find a way to get the job done if you just let them do it. If you want to be scared about what might happen in the absence of the gang, well, you just keep huddling in the corner. It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier by heading over to amp.freetalklive.com. Amp stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. It is a simple concept. You send in three bucks a month via any major credit card, PayPal, or some of our alternative options. And we take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations around the country. Bringing uh, new affiliates on board, bringing new listeners on, whether they be uh, to the radio or to our internet streams or to our archives, bringing new people to the message of freedom and liberty. So come on over to amp.freetalklive.com, learn about all that, learn about the perks you get, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. All the details are there. So get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. That again, amp.freetalklive.com. We go to your phone calls about what you want. It's Anthony in Florida. Anthony, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey there. What's on Um, your mind? We had – I have a story to tell you guys. All right. We we have a – we went to – we used to live in um, Newport Ritchie, Florida. Okay. Near Newport Ritchie, Florida. And we went to their Seventh-day Adventist church. And so we – we – when we went there, we uh, there there was this. We went to our friend's house that went to the church. We went to their house for a Bible study. Okay. And a um, a deacon of their church came there, and uh, he uh, 
went through a uh, he he's he was also the head guy at the school they were the uh, church school. Gotcha. He's and, so the uh, deacon of the so church they, and the head of the church school. Okay. Yeah. And so he start and so he went. He called the state, and uh, he looked he look to look through our through our records, right? He called the state and uh, to look through to look through our records through so like the homeschooling records. If we were, yeah. Okay. That's not a very and, nice thing uh, to do. No. And so he so he did that and we and called he didn't know at the time you were not registered. Uh oh. And so he uh so he uh called the state he called the state and uh and what then, happened? uh yes. and he, just a minute. He it's called right. the state. Okay. Just... It's all right. Take it easy. Mm-hmm. We're going to get your story yeah, out. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Take a deep breath. Take a drink of water. <laughs> he called the state, and <laughs> what uh, happened to you? You didn't have the you didn't have the uh, pr- the appropriate permission slip from the state of Florida to be engaging in homeschooling. We did. It's just that they didn't. They... I'm having trouble right now. I don't know why. Okay. I'm really well, sorry. We can only the, we can only handle it for um, so much longer. So if you can't get it out, uh, you'll just know, have to call back some other time. Is that it? I don't know. Um, and um, we so and my we registered. So we had my mom told that told him that, told them that uh, we were to leave the county anyway because we were about ready to move. Okay. Yeah. And so we, so we moved, and uh, like, so we, uh, and my mom had a. Uh, we went. We were in Michigan. Then we, uh, when we were in Michigan, my mom had had registered with them because she didn't know about all the all the that it would do. You know. Okay, so you moved from Florida and, to uh, Michigan. No, it it was this was a while ago. Okay, so you were in Michigan, then you moved to Florida, and then you moved again from Florida. Yeah. You moved to somewhere else in Florida, or just move move to another state. We moved, we're still in Florida. Okay, so you moved away from Newport Ritchie. Yeah. Okay. And moved to another part of Florida. And is there more to the story? And uh, that. Just wanted to share that with you guys. So, what happened as a result of the uh, uh, the deacon calling the, uh, the the state? Did something bad happen to you guys? No, they just they just called us and wanted us to register. You know. Mm-hmm. But you said, "Well, we're not going to do that because we're moving." We were just like, "Okay, we'll register in a different county," and then we never did. That makes sense. Well, that's good, because then you threw them off your trail, and they didn't know where you were going to end up. Because if you'd stayed where you were, they might have uh, continued to harass you and and do who knows what. And uh, sorry you had a tough time tonight, and I thank you for the call. Just practice. Yeah, it's First time I was on the radio, I thought I was going to pass out. Yeah. I don't. I didn't want to seem too harsh or whatever, but if you can't get the story out (laughs) after a little while, I mean, we're a lot more tolerant than most shows. I mean, like to point that out. 
Uh, so a call like that probably never would have even gotten on the air anywhere else. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, if you have trouble, maybe, I mean, if, first of all, I can understand nerves. I still get them. Uh, sometimes I'll be, sometimes if I don't have my notes, I'll be on hold waiting to go on the air and I'll blank out on what I was going to call about. So I can totally understand. It's good understand to have the notes, there. especially if you have uh, several points that you want to make and, and you yeah. know, that, because it can be hard. If you got four points, it's like, oh, I it just went one, two, three. Oh, gosh, what was the fourth one? It, it's good to write things down. Right. And even if you are, uh, even if you're just recounting a story that you should know from heart, uh, instead of just trying to make a point, even if you're just recounting a personal story as as uh, Anthony was there, maybe maybe just making bullet points on the the things that you want to make sure you cover in your story. Because if it's an intricate story, and that one really wasn't that intricate, it was just difficult for him to get it out. But if it's an intricate story, you want to make sure you cover the critical points. You don't want to just kind of rush through it and stumble around and accidentally not actually tell us the one of the more critical aspects of the story. I mean, we're going to do our best to ask questions to clarify and to you know, kind of hold your hand through it as as, as much as we possibly can. Uh, but if you do your preparation, uh, if you do your preparation well, then you'll probably feel a little more confident when you're on the phone. So I think I think taking notes is probably the best thing you can do uh, when you're calling a talk show, unless you've just got a question, in which case you should write down your question. You know, just make sure you uh, lay it all out there in front of yourself, and then you can actually kind of uh, organize prior to actually making the call. 800-259-9231, but it is not easy, so I, I'm very understanding. Uh, as we continue here, 800-259-9231. I, I mean, I can tell you, Mark, I've got I've got like a whole paragraph full of notes for my calls to the local talk show here <laughs> on, on Saturday mornings. I've got all kinds of things I want to cover with them, and so whenever I think of something that I want to cover, I, I make a note, and I save that in a file, and then I pull that up and make my choice as to which, uh, which issue is more burning for me at the moment that I make the call. All right, so uh, let's go to a uh, quick story here from the Register over in the U.K., where a group of home office officials are continuing to work on plans for a giant central database of email, web browsing, phone, and mobile location data. Even though the laws the government had planned to legitimize such a, uh, such a database won't be put out to Parliament until 2010 at the earliest, and possibly not at all. So there's no law for this. But the bureaucrats are going ahead with it anyway. <laughs> a Home Office spokes bureaucrat confirmed that there remains a team working on maintaining our capabilities in this area. Meanwhile, a minister implied the database could be built without any new laws. Counterterrorism Minister Vernon Coker decided to uh, decline rather to let other MPs see a presentation on the Interception Modernization Program, the IMP, given by an official at this year's Internet Service Providers Association meeting earlier this month. He said the results of the public consultation will be used to inform any decisions on the program's preferred solution and safeguards to determine whether future legislation is needed. The government maintains no decisions have been taken over the program. Reports last week said the communications data bill, which had been set to include a mandate for the IMP, will not be included uh, on the Queen's speech for December 3rd. In fact, the team has been expanded and stepped up its contact with communications providers in the last few months. Uh, so the government's committed to maintaining the communications data capability, and we intend to bring forward proposals to achieve this. We recognize, however, this is a highly sensitive issue, and that because of that, there's sufficient time to hold a proper public debate. 
So on one hand, they're saying that they're going to go ahead and uh, put this stuff into place, even without the laws, but they're going to also have a debate so you can talk about it. That way you can tell them that you don't agree, and they'll do it anyway, because that's what they do. Uh, It was widely expected the communications data bill would not appear in their legislative program for the next session. Those suspicions were confirmed uh, by various reports in the political pages and TV coverage. Their strongest political backing comes from the intelligence services, of course, GCHQ and MI6. Voices in other departments are known to have major reservations about its budget size, whether it's justified. So this is what they're going to argue about as well, as it's costing too much. We want to spy on people, but what's it going to cost? More on the way. Hour 2 coming up. You take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. As we launch here into hour number two of the program, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, Free Talk Live. Dot com. We continue here in the email box tonight where Prasad emails in with some concerns about anarcho-capitalism or what some people might call voluntarism. He says, I'd very much like to know how anarcho-capitalism does not inherently become corrupt. After ruminating on the subject, it seems that by nature it must fail. On the political compass, it's on the far libertarian and right end of the spectrum, diagonal from its polar ideology, communism. Communism in ideology would work most ideally in a democracy of educated people. The problem is the human tendency to centralize power. There's no exception for anarcho-capitalism. So why do you think states won't form out of necessity? Well, (laughs) the people that form governments will always claim it's necessary. This is one of the most uh, the most common excuses that you will hear for tyranny. Uh, that, well, we need to have troops in the streets because it's necessary. The world changed since 9-11, you know. It's necessary now to spy on people, as we were talking about last hour with uh, the U.K. government uh, preparing to build a database of all emails, phone calls, and various other data that would uh, traverse from one place to another. Hey, it's necessary that we poke around through your private life. It's necessary. It's keeping you safe. Right. It's necessary that we have all these laws controlling your behavior. So is there the chance that in a – by the way, just to clarify what anarcho-capitalism is – uh, anarcho, sort of the, the root word of anarchy, uh, without rulers, capitalism, which it, a lot of people are confused about what capitalism is, but essentially the ability to uh, to operate in a free marketplace without government constricts. Uh, so, so yeah, if there's a situation where we have a total free market and a voluntary society, will there be people that are interested in ruling over others? Yeah, there will, but. How will they gain the legitimacy? Because you have to understand, in order to get to something like anarcho-capitalism or voluntary society, you have to have a pretty big sea change in the population in general. I mean, you have to have people come to the understanding that initiating force is immoral, and it doesn't matter what your goals are. If you're using force to achieve your goals, 
you're going to get unintended consequences. Uh, people are going to get hurt, and it's just the wrong thing to do. So if people come to those conclusions and they reject the monopoly, uh, the, the violent monopoly of government out of hand, then I have to ask, what it, what will it be that will convince those same people to re-embrace those ideas? What sort of personality, what persuasive method could be used to regain that ground for the state? I don't. I I cannot envision it. That doesn't mean that it wouldn't be possible. I you know I I, I can't comment here. I'm I'm kind of with uh, with with the emailer. I'm you know the it, it seems like we're a long ways off from uh, a, some kind of completely free state that uh, you talk about, and I think that we. Well, we certainly are a long way off, but people want to talk about it. People uh, want to think about it. They want to ponder the ideas, uh, and there I, are objections that come right up. I mean, I'm, when fine, I was I'm halfway... fine with pondering them. I just, you know, to it, it, it seems to me that we'll, uh, what is more expeditious is to pare down the size of the state. Let's get to a small uh, government and then look at no government. Yeah, but most of the people that we talk to agree on that, so it's not <laughs> it's not as uh, interesting conversationally when everybody agrees on. Something. I understand. So uh, so here's the remainder of his email. He says, the foundation of anarcho-capitalism is solidified with this concept that proprietorships will depend on the consumer. But what matters to the consumer is price, more specifically price for themselves. If companies can cloak their covert actions against a small demographic of their entire customer base, such as denying the claim for a handful of customers, then the system has failed. The ideology of anarcho-capitalism defends itself by professing that competition... Uh, regulation will filter out monopolies or large corporations. But isn't the most effective way to provide a better product is by expanding oneself? Isn't excuse me? Isn't the most efficient way to provide a better product by expanding oneself horizontal consolidation? I don't know if that's true. I mean, I'm no, uh, I'm not a businessman that's providing a a product that's necessarily something that will will run out of uh, of supply. So I'm not in that particular industry. But I don't really – I guess I don't understand. When he says horizontal consolidation, does that mean buying up the competition, consolidating the yeah. competition? I don't think that's the way to provide a better product because I think we all understand that if there's less providers in the marketplace, there's less competition. Fewer, and there um, fewer, the, fewer providers, there's less competition, and therefore the, the products are not well, as good. What he's thinking about in that particular instance when you're talking about uh, the, the economics of it all is that – um, you know, big companies will buy big companies, and then they'll own everything, essentially. And, you know, the the fact is, when you don't have all the uh, the, the regulations and the strictures to, to getting into business, that, that kind of it changes the dynamic oh, of things. Oh, totally. And what you have to look at is, look at the example of Standard Oil. Well, there was a one point when Standard Oil had more than a 90% uh, market share, and now they don't. Yeah, well, 90% there is not a There was a time a when, Micros make. when Microsoft had a much larger micro um, uh, operating, excuse me, a much market share than it has now. These things change over time. Right, because uh, because people are able to go, in the example of Microsoft, people are able to enter into the operating system market without having to go through the Federal Approval Board of Operating Systems. So, I mean, if there was some sort of federal software approval board that was, whoa, whoa, you just can't release that new operating system onto the scene without having us vet it. We need to have the, this is a 15-year process here, buddy. You've got to submit your software to us and submit, uh, let's see, $100,000 in fees, and we'll go ahead and take a look at it make sure that the computing world is ready for this kind of software. I mean, can you imagine 
We'd be we'd be sitting at a DOS prompt today <laughs> if there was uh, such a federal approval board. So the idea that some company is just going to go around and buy up all the competition and and have this monopoly in the free market doesn't really understand. I mean, it it, it kind of belies a person that doesn't really understand what the free market is all about. The free market is free because you're free to compete anytime you can gather the capital together to do so. So if your competitors are being bought up, or if the competitors in an industry are being bought up, that's a market opportunity. If there's only one or two players out there in a specific industry, that's a market opportunity for somebody who's in search of a profit to go and find some investors and, and get started. Open up a store. Open up a, a factory. Start competing. But he gets to an example. He says, for instance, Company A and Company, Bill, uh, Company B sell health insurance. Both have competed for quite some time, and competition regulation has forced each to sell health care to different age demographics. I'm not sure what competition regulation is. I mean, that regulation is a government concept. If he's talking about third-party uh, certification, I'm not sure how that would force anybody to sell anything to anyone. So... Regulation suggests government control. Regulation suggests government setting rules and that the companies sort of have to work around those rules. So are we talking about anarcho-capitalism, the free marketplace, or not? Anyway, he says that so one company sells it to the younger ages and the uh, other company sells it to older ages. Company A is starting to lose customers to Company B as more elders stay alive for longer, so Company A schemes a plan to cripple Company B. They start to purchase commercial time slots to advertise drugs that would benefit their target age groups, those uh, in the younger uh, demo. They pay off pharmacists and doctors to advertise the drugs as well. The young people have become addicted to this drug. After long-term use, their customers start to develop major medical conditions. Company B tells them that this precondition will disallow them from having surgical procedures, and the customers are riled. Company B loses a lot of power, eventually going belly up, thus giving Company A a foothold in the insurance industry. He says, I'm not arguing for the FDA, but you're probably going to explain to me that an organization would exist to stop this drug from being spread or not, that regulatory forces would exist regardless of a government or state. But what exactly is it then? A company? A nonprofit organization? This regulatory force, whose funding would be the equivalent of taxes, would only be more expensive to the consumer than a national organization. Is this making any sense to you, Mark? I'm having trouble with uh, well, it. Well, I can hear that he's uh, concerned about... Some you know some drug that's bad getting out there and and I think that that likely could happen. Uh, more likely, you'll find some drug that's just harmless and does nothing getting on the market. And uh, you, I think you can find those in health food stores pretty quick. Um, and uh, you know, the world's not falling apart. I just love the ludicrous extremes that people have to go to to attempt to discredit the voluntary society and the free market. Uh, because his his scenario here is absolutely absurd. We can explain why here in a moment. Take your calls about anything. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com, and those features, by the way, include 
archives. Uh, just today, I posted the latest torrent, so you can go and you can grab all of the entire month of November, every single one of the archives, all in one fell swoop. Uh, with our free torrent service. Head over to freetalklive.com and see what that's all about. With the torrent, do you have to listen from far, start to, to finish of no. the month, or can you take a, no. um, it's, a, it's one tw- show at a time? Or? It's 28 or however many shows there were in the month of November. It's all of the MP3 files essentially in one folder that you're downloading the entire folder of, of MP3s. So when you're done downloading, and it'll take a little while because it's big, it's like 700 megabytes or something. Uh, when you're done downloading it, then you can listen to whichever one you want. I can tell you I'm, I'm scared of the idea of uh, doing the, the, the torrent. I, Why? It would make sense more to me to just go and get, get, get the MP3s and, and gather them one at a time because I know how to do that. Oh. You know, the, well, the torrent thing's not hard. It's you not hard. You have to have a torrent client like uTorrent, and we give you the instructions at freetalklive.com. So you download the client. <laughs> how many points are there? How many points? Yeah, like instructions. There's one, two, three, four. Download the client, install it, and then click on the torrent, and it opens and downloads for you. Three? Well, I mean, there's there's sub steps in each of the steps. I mean, I mean, how detailed do you want to get? Click, open, go to file. I mean, yes, you you just download the software, install it, and then click on the torrent online. It's easy. Freetalklive.com. Do you know that over 35% of IT admins admit to snooping through their boss's email? Shouldn't your business email be secure? PrivacyHarbor.com is an email alternative that's private and confidential. Guaranteed. You can go over there and get up, sign up for a free account today at privacyharbor.com because normal email is not secure. Privacyharbor.com. Toll and free. It's mm-hmm. easy because I can do it. There you go. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. We continue with this uh, ludicrous scenario here by Prasad. And I, I think the people that purport these ludicrous scenarios, they really believe that they're possible. I believe that they think that these things could happen in a free market situation. I think all th- kinds of things can happen. All you have to do is read the news to find out the craziest stuff. And I think that it's. I think that their vision is usually a little myopic. They uh, they don't really understand what the free market would be like. Not that I completely have a grasp on it myself, but I do understand the tenets. I do understand the basic tenets that in a free marketplace. There is no regulatory agency that is overseeing whether or not your business can exist in the first place. So the whole idea, I mean, his his scenario here, just to recap, in case you're just tuning in, he suggests that in his scenario, in this free market world, there are only two insurance companies, one of them selling uh, insurance to younger people, the other selling insurance to older people because of some sort of, as he describes it, competition regulation. I'm not really sure what that means. Uh, but right there from the very beginning, it's wrong from on its face. I mean, even in a government-regulated world, there are more than two insurance companies. So in a free market where there's no government insurance regulation agency to contend with to prevent smaller operations from starting up, anybody could jump into the game and provide insurance. The whole idea that there would end up being only two providers and that those two providers would be doing things, uh, that those two providers would be doing business on a completely different basis and not really even competing one another with, with one another is absolutely ludicrous. So right from the very beginning, the example is just full of holes. And let me go on here. He says that I'm not arguing for the FDA, but you're probably going to explain to me that an organization would exist to stop this evil drug that the, the, he pr- 
proposes that one of the companies would put out, get people hooked on, they'd bribe uh, a bunch of cigarettes. Uh, they'd bribe a bunch of pharmacists and things like that to lie about them, to advertise the drugs uh, falsely, and, you know, not tell them that it's addictive. You et wouldn't need to. <laughs> Look at cigarettes. Right, but I mean, people know they're addicted. But no, they still start. There aren't very many doctors out there saying you should smoke cigarettes. But what difference does it make? You don't need a doctor to say that um, it's addictive. Is all you have to do is is make it soothing in some way. But he's saying that there's going to be this big overarching conspiracy here to help cover up the fact that these drugs are addictive and dangerous. And we can see that uh, if people have an interest in knowing the truth about the products and services they're purchasing, and I think a lot of people are interested in that, there are various different agencies that are out there in the marketplace that will help people uh, understand those things, that will do the research that is necessary to say, hey, this is not a safe product. Even though all these people are saying so, we're saying differently, and hopefully you'll trust what we have to say because we've got this long history of, of being here and being a watchdog over these industries. So, I mean, to suggest that one of these companies could go around and buy out all of the doctors and the pharmacists, and, I mean, what, what are we talking about? That's even more – I mean, I'm not sure which part of this story is more absurd. The idea that there would only be two insurance companies competing in a certain area or that, uh, that, that they would be able to buy out every single pharmacist and doctor. What are you talking about? Anyway, he says uh, – continuing here. He says, if the consumers won't pay for it, but instead the companies pay for it, then how is that a better system? I thought this system was regulated by consumer satisfaction, but in the hands of proprietorships, the rich will centralize the power. What? If the consumers won't pay for what? Consumers will pay for whatever they're interested in paying for. I don't really, I don't really get it. Is he suggesting the consumers won't pay for the... Uh, the agencies to check out, like, the Consumer Reports to verify claims and things like that. Consumer Reports, is, they're still doing business. They're uh, still out there. And, and there's a lot of people that want to know. The, the, you know, the fact is people want to get the best product for their money, and, and the, they will pay for information to do that. Sure. And, uh, you know, that doesn't, it doesn't even necessarily mean that they have to pay for it. In a lot of cases, what you might see is uh, business models where the various different uh, product checking services will operate and get their money from the people that uh, submit the products to check them. I mean, consumers don't have to pay the underwriters' laboratories to do their job. The companies pay underwriters' laboratories to do that. Of course, he's suggesting that could lead to corruption, but that's why there are different checking organizations, different organizations watching over one another. In the government scenario, who watches the watchers? In the government scenario, where there is the well, government... Get payoffs. That's what happens in the government scenario. Right. Well, in the government scenario, where there is this overarching agency that's supposed to be keeping people safe, who's watching them? Who's there to ensure that they're actually doing their job correctly? Well, there's the occasional news media organization that'll catch them red-handed doing something naughty, but for the most part, not much. Yeah, it, there's really there's there's not much punishment for them doing that. He says, "I'm not arguing for a republic, democracy, communism, or socialism, but if states from form per force, I don't understand that either. I just want something that has logical doctrines written in a constitution that's represented by non-elitist smart people that intrinsically have a lesser say in a private economy." I don't think this means taxes have to be forced upon oneself, but if you use a public facility, don't expect not to pay. I'll agree with him on that part. Whatever it is you use, you should expect to pay for, unless someone has specifically told you, you won't have to pay for this. Enjoy. It's free. Yeah, well, and I don't know what about this terminology, public, uh, you know, um, uh, what did you call it a utility? A public facility. Facility. Um, you know, what, what is that? There are a I lot mean, of terms in he, here I'm not too sure about. 
but it seems he's confused about what the free marketplace actually is. The free marketplace is the market in absence of regulation. Whenever there's no government around telling people what to do, telling people what they can and can't do, forcing taxes upon people, regulating, organizing, controlling, whenever there's no government force around, whenever there's no monopoly over violence in, an en- in any given area, you have a free market. We don't have a free market today. I'd like to have one. It'd be nice. But you have to kind of understand what it means before you can critique it. This is Free Talk Live. You bring up whatever you want. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include the updates. You get signed up. We keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Dot com. We continue with your phone call. Ziggy, across the pond in the UK. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Uh, hi, guys. Hey, Zig. Right. Well, yesterday the government announced its uh, legislation for the next year. And amongst this was a bill to um, clamp down and regulate he- uh, more heavily. On what? Uh, drink promotions in uh. bars. Okay, is the idea to get and, people to stop drinking? Yep, and the government, being the killjoys they are, mm-hmm. are banning happy hour. That is amazing. It is amazing. Like, is this 100% absolutely happening, or is it just a proposal at this point? Well, it's going to go through Parliament in the next year, but, I mean, the government have got a big majority, and, you know... It's, it's Who's got a big majority? The, the, the Labour Party. I and see. that's they're the party that's in favor of this? Yeah, and they're in power at the moment. I thought government people like to drink. Yeah, they they like to drink, but they can. You see, this, this, what, what this is trying to do is clamp down, clamp down on 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 poor people yeah. having a drink. Um, yeah, you know, and the poor people are suffering right now. And I, I kind of think, hey, leave them alone. You know, we're we're, we're in an economic, um, you know, downturn severely, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the smallest pleasures bring a lot to people's lives. You know, a drink and a smoke. Absolutely, and, leave people yeah. alone. Some people live for it. <laughs> I, I um, I also have a question for you because I sure. was thinking about this last night. Do you think control freakery <laughs> is a sexual perversion? As in, uh, do the people who control, who advocate controlling others' lives, do they uh, pleasure themselves over it? You know, that's an interesting question because Julia suggested that recently that uh, some of the power freaks around here uh, would go home and touch themselves after they, uh, you know, successfully put somebody in a jail cell or harmed another person's life. And I said, I said to her, are you serious? You really believe that people would do do something like that? And she said, yes. I mean, I myself, I guess I don't have that kind of perversion. So something like that had never crossed my mind. But for people that are really into control, it would make sense. I think control well, look, is a big part of uh, sexuality for look, some people. You, you, you get dominatrix. Um, I, I came up with a term. I said uh, I was talking about government minister, and I said uh, Harriet Harman, who does seem to be one of the worst of of of. of the, 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 the labor lot, and she... 
and I just described her as a pantsuit um, dominatrix. <laughs> I, I said, you, you know, the, the fact is, you know, most dominate. I have met a few dominatrix in my time. I bet um, you have. It's, it's not, <laughs> not my kind of bag, but I always admit they do look damn cool, you know. <laughs> but, you know, pa- people, government ministers in pantsuits, not my kind of thing. Definitely not. And I, I just think they're just, as, they're just as bad. And, I mean, one thing is that at least a guy volunteers to, to, to have um, pain forced upon him when he goes to a dominatrix, whereas these people just do it with impunity. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're on to something. I mean, I don't know if any of them will ever admit to it, but is there a chance that they go home, stand in front of the mirror, touch themselves, uh, and, well, well, you know, no, self-pleasure, it's, 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 and say, oh, the state is I mean, so powerful, and I'm part of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have to say, the irony, the irony is that, 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 that this lot in, in power, especially the women, I don't want to sound sexist here, but it does tend to be that the, 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 the female ministers, they, they seem, seem to be very, very prudish. And I, 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 and I, I always worry when people be, are, are, seem to be um, somewhat op- sexually oppressed, that, re- sorry, repressed, Mm-hmm. That, that, in fact, actually, that, that their, their desires are, are probably far stronger. Yes. Oh well, that's what we've seen so often, uh, especially when it comes to the uh, when it comes to the area of like child pornography. You'll see that these crusaders are out there. You know the uh, the, uh, the these crusaders, these anti uh, porn crusaders, not just even child porn, but uh, but just porn anti porn crusaders are out there and making a big stink about pornography, and then they get busted with all kinds of porn on their computer. So it's it's almost like they uh, there's some sort of weird psychology going on where these People, they're trying to fight off what they consider sinful urges, and, and they have these personal they'll go demons. to the opposite directions. I believe that it's um, also the reason that there's such a pedophilia problem, or was uh, in the, um, the the Catholic Church amongst the priests, because yeah. people would try to go to an extreme in order to fight off their urges. That that's definitely right. Before I go, I have to. Tell, I'm surprised Ian hasn't brought it up. But uh, do you know what happened in Switzerland at the weekend? Mm, I don't think so. What happened? They uh, they legalized uh, heroin on prescription. Yeah, and How shot that? and shot down uh, um, marijuana. It's the craziest yeah. thing. Um, I thought I thought you'd, you'd you'd have brought that up. You know, I, I didn't get uh, catch wind of it. I, mean, I told him about it yesterday. Don't listen to him. I you did? Yes. Oh, well, I still didn't catch wind of it because I wasn't paying attention. I guess I'm used to it. Uh, but there you go. Thanks for bringing that up, Zig, and uh, we'll see if everyone turns into heroin addicts in Switzerland. Thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Because that's what the anti drug crusaders say. If you legalize it, then everyone will do it. Well, come on. Or at least a larger percentage. Please. Uh, anybody that wants to do drugs can go and get the drugs they want to do. If they just ask around enough, they'll figure out how to get them, and they'll use them. There's no problem getting things like heroin. In fact, from what I understand, it's actually pretty big around here. I don't know. I, here I, in Keene, New Hampshire? I'm surprised to hear told. it. You're su- uh, it is surprising, because you think to yourself, who would want to do heroin? But apparently a fairly large amount of people want to do heroin. Whatever. It's illegal. Obviously, they don't care. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But I find that fi- that fascinating. That psychology of well, I think that this be- behavior, whether it's drug use or looking at porn or whatever it is, this particularly uh, some people view as immoral behavior. I think this behavior should be regulated. I think it should be controlled. And then years later, they end up being caught for it, and they end up getting in uh, you know in some hot water over it. Of course, if they're highly connected enough, they'll probably be shielded from any significant consequences. Uh, but it's very interesting, isn't it? That sort of... I don't know what you call that. Is there a term for that in psychology? 
I, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I, I I believe that I I believe I read that the uh, Governor Spitzer got off of his. Uh, yes, he yeah. did. New York's former Governor uh, Elliot Spitzer was completely exonerated of prostitution-related charges for hiring a prostitute several times. Hmm. Wonder if he got away with it. He did get away with it. Happens I don't know if she time. did. I'm not sure yeah, what right. happened to the prostitute. They probably threw her in jail. Right. Right. Well, I don't know. She. I, I'm not sure what happened to her. If you know more, if you're maybe one of our New York State listeners and been following that story a little a little more closely, perhaps than we have, you're certainly welcome to dial in at 800-259-9231. But it sure is good to be a member of the Monopoly gang, because then you get protected when stuff like that happens. And then there was the guy with the bathroom stall. What was his name? The, the uh, uh, Republican. Wasn't he from uh, Idaho? Yeah, one of the anti-gay crusaders. You know, like one of these Craig? guys that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Representative or Senator Craig or something like maybe, that. Maybe that was the guy from uh, Alaska that was on uh, the corruption charges. There's so many corrupt Republicans recently. It's hard I, to count. I just don't know what to do. Right, but the, the, yeah, Craig was, I think, the guy's name. The guy who was sort of made infamous for going into a bathroom stall and then playing footsie with the his next door neighbor in the next stall. Turned out that was a cop. It was uh, some sort of undercover sting. He got popped, and that's when everybody found out who he was. And uh, wait, this guy is an anti-gay crusader. So. On one hand, he's talking about how gays are immoral and bad and everything that, you know, gays are bad. And then he's caught with his pants down in a bathroom stall being gay. Larry, and that's, that's Larry fine. Craig. That's fine. It's, I, mean, I think I have no problem with gay people. I think that they should be able to meet wherever they want to meet one you, another. You can find it by uh, typing in Senator Gay. But, and, it's just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so amazing, the hypocrisy. It's so amazing, and it never ends. There's always going to be more examples of this. More right, people and this will get is caught. the same guy uh, voted against, uh, you know, legislation that would have been, you know, more equalizing for homosexuals. Right. So, so what's with these people? I mean, how about Ted Haggard, the uh, the mega church guy from Colorado, the guy who is, you know, one of the major anti-gay crusaders. He ends up getting caught snorting uh, crank off of the uh, the naked butt cheek of <laughs> some gay prostitute. Nice. So, what? So this guy's got it from both ends. He's gay and he's a drug user. But in his public life, he's anti-gay and anti-drug. How do you live that lifestyle? I can't imagine how you get away with it for so long is what amazes me. I don't know either. It's very confusing to me. Anyway, if you want to um, add your insight into this 800-259-9231, what is going on in these people's heads? You take control. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want by dialing the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That would be the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, we could use your vote. Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. We only ask that you do it once per month. Unfortunately, have to ask several times because, well, it's a pretty hot competition. Uh, our, buddy, our friends over at uh, Red Bar Radio are our heaviest competitors. We've gotten a lot of listeners from the, the guys over at Red Bar, and I'm sure that we've sent a few over there. The reason way we as have well. to ask multiple times is because you didn't do it the last time we asked. Thank you very well, much. Well, many of you did. The, <laughs> to those true. who did, thank you. If you have not yet done so, uh, we're waiting for you. Please go to vote.freetalklive.com. Cast your vote for Free Talk Live because being number one at Podcast Alley just means more new people coming over to this show. People discuss covering the message of freedom and liberty. I mean, the fact is, people are more likely to click on the number one show than they are to click on the number two show. Uh, so, please help us out by going to vote.freetalklive.com. As we go to your phone calls, it's Frank in New York. Frank, you're on Free Talk Live. Ah, oh, good evening. Hey there. 
I thought I would uh, start by uh, clarifying some things yesterday. Okay. That caller that called after made some egregious statements. Uh, number one, a design patent is defined as a patent that uh, involves a significant improvement on the uh, on the pre-existing patent or invention. Uh, an example of a design patent would be. Uh, after RCA invented the uh, color comb filter for televisions in the late 1970s, when they incorporated that as a genuine original patent uh, into a pre-existing TV design that would include the uh, comb filter uh, for the imaging, that was a design patent on the pre-existing television patent. So in a sense, uh, a design patent is, again, a significant improvement on a pre-existing patent or patented invention. Uh, and a design patent could be in anything from, let's say, uh, a product like a television or a car or a car part to something as uh, innovative as, let's say, a condiment in the food industry area. Let's say someone uh, has patented their barbecue sauce. Someone comes up with an invention or a new twist on it. Uh, not only could they cre design that or claim the patent as an original product on that, but they could also do a design patent on uh, that item stating that they were working with a pre-existing condiment such as barbecue sauce. So in a sense, uh, we have to be very specific when we're dealing, you know, with intellectual property. And also, clothing can be patented. One of the first patents on clothing in the United States was solved by Levi Strauss, who invented the dungaree blue jean that was used by the gold miners in the uh, uh, gold rush in uh, 1848 in California. So clothing can be patented as well as copyrighted the designs. And uh, also... Uh, most recently, the area of patenting pre-existing genes, such as in the, uh, the DNA that makes up all of the individuals. Pharmaceutical companies have patented specific genes, such as gene 4728, uh, that's a triggering mechanism for a specific disease. And that's patented under uh, a pharmaceutical claim for a diagnostic test. So these all exist, and not only do design patents exist in the United States, but in Germany, Switzerland, France, and virtually every other country in the world. There so you go. in a sense, these are very specific, and the caller that was calling last night made no sense in her sort of trying to explain what a design patent is or what, what it isn't or whatever. So I just thought you know, that I would clarify that. And well, thank I you for that, Frank. I certainly appreciate it. We'll take your word for it. Thanks. The hooker that was with Spitzer, I think, is pursuing a, a music career. And, <laughs> and, uh, Excellent. I think she had many hits on her MyPage space and sold uh, yes, many of her demo songs on, uh, what was it, the uh, iTunes or one of the downloadable music. How interesting things. that the hooker who was essentially caught uh, with Elliot Spitzer ends up with a musical career while any other uh, streetwalker, and obviously she wasn't a streetwalker, she was a call girl, but while any other uh, lady getting busted for being a woman of the night ends up in a prison cell. Just amazing. Well, you know, it's interesting. It's all about political power. And the Spitzers were very influential and wealthy. And I, I think that if Elliot Spitzer wasn't actually suing the banks for malfeasance in the state of New York regarding the financial crisis, uh, nothing would have happened. In fact, I'm sure those banks and financial institutions would have picked up the tab, or the New York State taxpayers would have picked up the tab for his uh, 
uh, what shall we call it? Uh, Dalliances? Recreation uh, in Washington, D.C. All right, so we'll Frank, here, that. here's a little addition to uh, what you're talking about with clothing. I just went and did a quick Google here, and it turns out you're right. There are some instances where uh, clothing can be patented. This from about.com inventors. The question, can a design of a piece of clothing be patented? The answer is most likely no. Rarely are pieces of clothing patented. However, there are exceptions. Uh, for instance, well, you know, it's uh, a big exception, the brassiere industry. If you look at, you know, the companies that invented the brassieres and that marketed them, even Victoria's Secret and some of the other firms, I mean, that's a very high-tech area. And if you look at clothing and if you define even footwear as clothing, such as, uh, certain kinds of stocks, the socks that incorporate BioGuard, those are specifically patented. As are the shoes, the shoe so designs. the technology is. The, you're saying the technology is what is being patented, not specifically the design. And here yes, they the give the example. Of the idea. Here they give the example is always of. Always defined as the embodiment of an idea. An idea can't be patented, but the embodiment of the idea can. Interesting. And all of those are manifestations of the embodied idea. That's the point I was raising in the beginning yesterday that I think that caller didn't quite understand. Thank you for the but, point and the clarification, Frank. Appreciate hearing no from problem. you as always. Uh, the, the details here on this particular article, uh, they mention what they call Tiva sandals. They say that the sandals have been issued a utility patent that relates to how the sandal functions to fit rather than how it looks. Uh, plus, another utility patent was issued for things like therapeutic clothing. A design patent, which Frank was just telling us about, can be granted to anyone who invents a new, original, and ornamental design for an article of clothing. The Marine Corps has applied for design patents on their new camouflage pattern and combat uniforms. All clothing designs are immediately protected by copyright law. Uh, however, any small change, and it's considered a new design. That's why famous designers get ripped off immediately upon a new showing to help you decide what will be... Uh, so anyway, there you go. So, yeah, they can be patented, but not really. Only certain certain functions and things like that can be patented, not necessarily the, the, the piece of clothing itself. A small change and... You know, poof, there it is. Yep. So, uh, so yes. So even though the clothes are copyrighted, that doesn't prevent the competitors from essentially, you know, adding a different stitch somewhere and making it their own. And so it's amazing, isn't it, that in a world with so-called copyright or, or in, a, uh, in an industry where there is no real access to true protection of the ideas that you create – that these companies like Burberry and Gucci and Prada and all these manufacturers that will charge hundreds of dollars for a piece of clothing or purse or something well, like that one of the reasons can still they, do business. One of the reasons that they uh, put their labels all over it is because of the co they can copyright their logos, and that's one of yeah. the reasons that you'll see many of the expensive handbags have their logo all over the, ba the bag. This is true. 1-800-259-9231. Uh, that's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can bring up anything. So there's some news in the realm of Internet lending, and it's not good news. No. Again, the old school is entrenched. The old businesses, the old lenders, the bankers, very entrenched. Buddies in government, friends in government, of course, use their governmental controls, their monopoly privilege or their monopoly violence to uh, to control the new upstarts in the industry, just as we point out over and over again on this show how regulations are used to control the new people in the business. This is a perfect example. The story is from TechCrunch.com, where last month peer-to-peer -peer lender Prosper stopped all new lending on its site because of scrutiny by the SEC. 
Prosper agreed to regulate or to register under the Securities Act, a process which can take months. The SEC issued its formal cease and desist letter, outlining its reasoning for characterizing Prosper as a seller of uh, seller of investment, something Prosper had vigorously resisted in the past by arguing it was merely a marketplace matching lenders and borrowers. But the SEC is having none of that, and it's not just Prosper, but all peer-to-peer lenders that are on notice. Lonio, a new entrant into the lending arena of P2P that just launched last month, has already suspended new loans until it registers with the SEC. And last April, competitor Lending Club was the first P2P lender to temporarily cease operations uh, and, again, uh, waiting for the SEC approval. So I thought these were such great ideas, so grassroots, people lending to other people. These organizations, micro-lending, basically. Right, these organizations simply do not make loans. They do not do it. Right. They just set people up who have money with people who want money. Just like how that one company in Toronto, uh, the internet company, was setting drivers up with passengers so they could carpool together, but they were found as responsible for competing with the bus company in town, and so they had to pay uh, th- thousands of dollars in fines. So again, it's this, you know, the new school versus the old school, and the old school is entrenched, and they have their buddies in government on yep, their they side. Have the, they have the guys with guns who are willing to use them. And they're destroying innovation. They're destroying opportunities, and they're destroying people's businesses with their stupid, old, outdated dinosaur regulations. Hour three's coming up. This is Free Talk Live. You take control. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into hour number three of the program. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So, Mark, let's talk about uh, one of your stories. You've got something about the New York Metro. They're trying to deal with the downturn. There's an economic downturn. People are having a tough time, and so they're looking to help, well, themselves, right? Solving the financial uh, crisis gripping New York's Metropolitan Transportation Authority will require every regional employer to pay a new payroll tax. New tolls on motorists on the East River and Harlem crossings. A new commission's report set on Thursday. Subway and bus riders will also have to pay higher fares, according to Richard Rekovic. Nice. Revich. That's going to help all those poor people. Yeah, that's this is great, isn't it? (laughs) See, this is my point uh, that no matter what the economic condition, the government will always get theirs to the point that it mm-hmm. actually devours itself. Uh, this is true. The, the, you know, there, there are, it's all you have to do is look around. Detroit's a great example. Um, many of the, uh, the, the major cities and minor um, cities and towns in the Rust Belt, there's a, uh, there's, a, there's a town here in New Hampshire called Berlin. Um, mm-hmm. It's Berlin, but uh, I guess during uh, World War I, they didn't want to be associated in some way with the bad guys, so they just decided to pronounce it wrong <laughs> but um anyhow it's the fact is the people are moving out of those towns the people in yeah. those towns are getting poorer and poorer they're raising tax rates all over because well the the, the city government's got used to being big fat 
sassy ticks sitting on the right. butt of the uh, dog that Life is working good. hard that is the American person. Life was good for a little while. And, and uh, you know, because these uh, property rates were going up, 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 up. And so, th- therefore, the uh, the tax rates were going up just as fast. And they were growing their programs and adding new bureaucrats and buying crap and, you know, b- building things and tearing up roads and doing all the dumb stuff that they always do. And then uh, they were doing it at such a pace that now, well, what are we going to do? We we don't we aren't getting the money. As a matter of fact, some people's property rates, or property values are going down. We're getting less money. We right. didn't budget for this. We need more money. So instead of doing what they should do, remember, remember this is an organization, government, no matter which one you look at, mm-hmm. that's there to serve people, to serve the people that that's it's what they taxing. But right, and the proof it's is nonsense. just the opposite. <laughs> They're there to serve themselves. Yep. And and it's it's exactly as you point out, Mark. I mean, these government people have been used to getting in a certain amount of money, and all of a sudden the party's over, and all they know how to do is to keep doing scrambling to try to gr- bring in the same amount of money or more instead of actually cutting back and, and doing what's necessary to p- to pare things down. So many governments, uh, local and municipal, county governments, uh, state governments even, are, are uh, essentially fudging the numbers on people's tax rates. They're uh, assessing the uh, houses way too high. As far as I'm concerned, if that organization would be uh, is going to assess your house at a certain rate, it should be re- required to buy the house at that rate. Look, you're saying the house is worth one hundred and sixty-seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I'd like that one hundred and sixty-seven thousand dollars. You can have the house, but. Obviously, this would never happen. The taxpayers would be forced to pay for these things. But at the very least, you would have uh, a dissolution of the government that much faster because it would be forced to pay for it. I was watching uh, – actually, today I was watching some Stéphane Molyneux videos mm-hmm. uh, from Free Domain Radio. And he was talking – there's one of them is very recent uh, where he sort of riffs off the Matrix and is pointing out how essentially you know, the Matrix is a, is a great metaphor for you know, what's really going on today. It's a great metaphor for a lot of things, but go ahead. It's true. <laughs> uh, and what he was talking about was in, in one of the videos was rise, the rise and fall of various empires over the years and talking about how the people who make it their job and their, the, their livelihood to control others had figured out – that when your slaves believe they're free, they're much more productive. You know, if you actually have, uh, if you go back hundreds of years to where people actually owned other people yes. outright, and they had them on a plantation with uh, taskmasters with whips at their backs, and you know, you actually had a real uh, what we think of today as slavery situation going on. Uh, do you call that chattel slavery? I'm not sure. I, I think so. And um, I, I've been watching the series, uh, HBO series called Rome, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how many people were owned, uh, you know, in, inside this this empire. So they, uh, when you actually own the slaves outright and you control everything about their actions, it's very difficult because you have to, you know, you, it costs a lot more money. You've got to pay to feed them and house them, and uh, you've got to pay the taskmasters, yeah. and you know, it's a very expensive process, right. and, and they, they don't really want to work. Right, they don't want to work that hard, so they're going to try to slough off whenever they can. Right, so, uh, so the people who are interested in controlling others learned that if you allow the slaves more freedom... That they produce more for you. And so what Molnew was, I think, brilliantly pointing out, and I've kind of, I've used the term big prison before, like that we all live in a comfy prison. But I think that that's, I think Molnew might have had a better term, and that is a farm. Uh, that essentially that when you look at the, the world map and you see the countries, the you know these arbitrary lines drawn on the map, yeah. you're not looking at countries, you're looking at farms. 
And yes, you can leave one farm, but you can, you're always just going into another farm. So you have the freedom to leave the farm called yes. the United States, but you're just going to move to the farm called Jamaica or the farm called the UK or whatever, where these controlling, these control freaks, these sickos in uh, the, these agencies they calling calling themselves government have essentially mastered the ability to extract as much as they possibly can from the slaves on that particular farm. The the slaves have been given the illusion that they have freedom, when in point of fact, anybody that takes a look at the situation objectively can see that there is no such thing as freedom here, in that your efforts are being taxed to the point of about 50%, in some cases more than that. Uh, you're paying, Just in this country, and right. this, is the, you know, this is the land of the, the free. free. Uh, so you're, you're losing a significant portion of your efforts via confis- you know, confiscatory taxation, and we're not even beginning to talk about regulations and costs of complying with, uh, with things like that. So I thought it was just a, a brilliant uh, point that, that essentially they've just, man- they've just managed to essentially convince the slaves into believing that they're free and that they've expanded the size of the plantation to such a large extent that people don't realize that they're on a plantation anymore. And what he was talking about was the rise and fall of the empires and how when people have enough freedom, the state is really raking it in because yeah. people are out there producing and producing, and, and that, that means that the, the income for the state is going up. So what's happening in China right now, where China's letting off on the restrictions and people are being more productive, so China's getting in more tax dollars yeah. as a result of that. But there's a certain point at which it talks out where the government is taking in so much money it, with it has to do something with that money and so what it creates has, tyranny right so, so in anything that it does whether it's building a school or whether it's conquering uh, you know the people the, the the people to the north south east or west or killing people yeah. right or, or, or sending its own citizens into uh, gulags and gas chambers it doesn't matter what it is and those are obviously extreme examples but everything building a school you know, feeding the poor people all of these things are tyranny because they you know they they they're taking in the money they're forcing you to pay it and so they have to build these programs these programs then get a little uh, they get a life of their own as the government's play with the, uh, the 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 monetary system things go up things go down but these programs they still need to get paid right so, so they keep sucking the wealth so at the at the very top of the peak the government's pulling it in the people in the country are still making a lot of money everybody's really comfortable government's raking in money but as you say mark they're creating new programs all the time expanding the existing programs. Programs, and eventually something you know changes, something tips, the economy goes into a downturn, and as we were talking about, the government doesn't know what to do. It wants to keep expanding. It wants well, to keep doing yeah, right. tyranny. It knows what to do. It just is, it is never successful. But the money's not there anymore, so they start printing it out, and that just causes more problems, and and, and then the you know the empire falls. So we're at some point towards the near you know the beginning of the end here for uh, for this country. And it's about damn time. I hope it would just. I wish it'd be over now, but it's not yet. Yeah, I. You know, I just there are don't, more death throws to go through. Uh, when, when I've been, when I've thought about the idea of secession for a state, and I think it's a great idea. I think that uh, you know, New Hampshire and and many other states need to secede. I, I just don't see it happening because when you look at uh, the, the people that came and that went and voted, you can you'll find that the vast majority of these people. You know, oh my God, you can't talk to them about secession. Really. Well, I, I don't know, man. A lot of people are voting for the lesser of two evils. I don't think they're ever vote for. I, if, I think if you put it on the ballot, you're going to see ten or twenty percent tops. People well, that's vote what the polls it. show. The polls say about twenty percent support the it's, idea. It's so, so it'll never happen from a vote standpoint. However, 
if the United States government itself either A, becomes so tyrannical or so uh, eaten from the inside and that it's so poor, maybe then. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they're completely free. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Hey, Mark, how would you describe the New Hampshire Liberty Forum to someone who's never been? Uh, It's a liberty convention uh, with uh, more speakers than you would have ever imagined. It's probably one of the largest ones ever. It's uh, also an opportunity to come up to New Hampshire. I believe they have tours about the state uh, to to some extent. Do they do tours during the Liberty Forum? They certainly go to the Capitol building. Okay, yeah, they do that. Um, If nothing else. And uh, it's... It, it's an opportunity to come up and see New Hampshire. Uh, if, if you were thinking about moving for the Free State Project, it's great for that. And you'll get to hang around a bunch of liberty-loving individuals for three days. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, lots of uh, opportunities to network, to socialize, to libate, to uh, have a little after-hours partying, uh, plus plenty of pa- uh, panel discussions, speakers, and lots of big names that if you're in the liberty movement, you've heard of before. Uh, people like Dr. Mary Ruart, the author of Healing Our World, David Nolan, founder of the Libertarian Party, Glenn Jacobs, WWE's Kane, is going to be there. Uh, Matt Simon from the New Hampshire Coalition for Common Sense, Richard Heller from the Heller versus D.C. gun decision, both uh, Heller and... And Jacobs are Free State Project members. So big names, and those are just a handful of the speakers, which, uh, by the way, I'm I'm told, or it's my understanding, that the early bird discount is going to be going away sometime this month, I think on the 20th. Uh, so if you want to get involved with uh, the early bird discount, you need to go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum, get signed up sooner rather than later, because that discount's going to go away. However, you can... You can lessen the cost even more by using the Free Talk Live discount code, which is 2009FTL. 2009FTL saves you 10% off the already low prices. So even if you don't sign up with the early bird discount and you wait and you procrastinate, you'll still be able to save 10% off of the later pricing scheme uh, with the Free Talk Live discount code. So keep that in mind, but make a move sooner rather than later so you can get your hotel reserved, so you can make sure that you're actually going to be staying in the same hotel, just because that's just more convenient. It's just really convenient to stay in the hotel where the convention is taking place. That way all you have to do is you know, throw on the, some sandals and come downstairs. You don't have to get all bundled up to go outside to go to a different hotel because it will be in the middle of winter. We're talking about early March. Uh, March 5th through the 8th, and it's a blast. It's a great opportunity to come up here and get to know some of these great activists here in New Hampshire and meet some of the uh, the Liberty superstars like in, uh, Glenn Jacobs. So head over to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to get signed up. Our number is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Uh, so we were talking about how the New York metro system is going to be increasing fares. Uh, because, well, they've got a certain amount of money that they're used to getting in, and I guess with the economic downturn, they're not getting it for whatever reason. I, I would think people would still need to go from point A to point B, but maybe they're just being more judicious about their decisions as far as when and where they're traveling. Well, I, I've I've heard that uh, at, at certain times of the day, uh, it, it seems like that's at least they're proposing this if it wasn't happening. But I know the tolls were like seven bucks just to get into Manhattan when I went through the last time. Um, however, I've heard that they want to make them as high as twenty. Whoa! You know, um, in for just a regular car at certain times of the day. So I see. you can. Uh, 
uh, in order to you know cut down on people traveling in. But during this recession, I imagine some people are probably just not going into the city as much as they were. And if you don't have to, sure. That's 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 a big issue. So so, n- so now everybody else that has to for work or for whatever other reasons are going to be uh, subsidizing yeah. uh, the government bureaucracy, and it's just awful. And you're seeing these trends everywhere where governments, whether they are New York City or your local town governments, are just they claim that they're unable to cut anything. They claim that they're unable to... Uh... Oh, we've cut it to the bone. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. This, there's no waste in our Isn't government. Isn't that what the Republicans uh, said a couple of years ago? That's what they said as far as uh, government went. and It's, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. But I've heard a local bureaucrat here say, oh, this is not a wasteful government. What? 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 Right, yeah. I mean, because uh, that's just absurd on its face. There are governments all across the state of New Hampshire that are operating on less than keen. It's like saying it's not a female woman. I mean, the fact is, government is wasteful by its very nature. This is true. They have no incentives. Because it cannot, it can't allocate funds in the manner that it's supposed to, and... It never. It doesn't have any, uh, uh, you know, price uh, deterrent. I think it's time for a property tax revolt, personally, but I think I'm the only one who thinks that. So until I'm for a property tax revolt, and let me know how it goes. Yeah, you're for it. <laughs> Thanks for your moral support. Go, go, go ahead right. and get them guys. They're, they'll get get those suckers. They're bad. Uh, so anyway, you can uh, continue here and bring up what you want. The toll-free number 800-259-9231. Let me go to the email box uh, from John in Ontario. He says. Hey, I was just listening to the show uh, recently when you were convinced that it would be impossible to produce roads at a reasonable price. This is actually addressed to you, Mark. Ah. Uh, To produce roads at a reasonable price without resorting to eminent domain. I feel that you've underestimated the capability of the free market to secure the necessary land. As I understand it, your concern is that as property was being purchased, one by one to produce a road, the other property along the route would escalate in price as the property owners became aware of what was happening. I think it's a reasonable fear, by the way. I think you fear that the price would escalate practically without limit, and but I don't think you've considered all of the downward pressures, and I will cover some of them one at a time. First, there would be a substantial market pressure for people to be good members of society. If a property owner was extravagantly unreasonable, he would soon find that other people would soon stop trading with him or use other financial sanctions to bring him into line, such as charging him more for services. This pressure would exist for any antisocial individual or activity and would be a substantial force toward moderation and good social behavior throughout society. This would not constitute initiated force, as a free man can choose whom he deals with. It would operate in a similar fashion as government force does currently to ensure that members of society act in a way that benefits society as a whole. In fact, I believe it would be far more effective as it offers both reward and punishment, while all that government brings to the table is force and theft. A free society would also likely be a much more polite society, as no man can exist without trade, and therefore no man could afford to alienate those that he must trade with. A point system similar to eBay would ensure that you could not easily run away from your own bad behavior. Another downward pressure would simply be that at some point the price demand would be higher than the buyer is willing to pay. As the price gets higher, the reward for selling and the possible financial risks of holding out too long would likely produce a price below what you and I fear that it would be. An extravagant price for one or two properties out of hundreds or more properties along a roadway would not seriously change the overall cost. But the strongest point is this one. No sensible company developing a roadway would proceed as you are imagining, although governments might have done so this way in the past. As I see it, property for a roadway would be arranged with conditional offers of purchase, and negotiations with multiple property owners would proceed at the same time. Yeah, somebody uh, sent me um, something, I believe it's... 
uh, auction uh, auction, auction design. theory auction design yeah I uh, and I read through that and it does make a lot of sense this would be assisted by secrecy clauses and substantial penalties if I was planning to build a road I would survey several routes beforehand and begin negotiations on all of those routes simultaneously this would cause some additional upfront costs but the overall reduction in purchase price would make it more than worthwhile each offer of purchase would be conditional on the prospective buyer being successful in the other necessary negotiations. The seller, having no way of knowing how many other negotiations were ongoing, would be forced to negotiate in good faith and could not hijack the process as the potential buyer would always have other options. The potential buyer, knowing the cost associated with each route, could consider this while negotiating to ensure a suitable price. Once all of the properties had accepted offers to purchase, the deals would close. Yeah. More, a little bit more on this here uh, in moments, and your calls as well at 800-259-9231. Plus, Mark, you've got some corrupt cop stories for us tonight. We haven't done corrupt cops in a while. Uh, we'll get to that and take your calls about whatever you want. Toll free at 800-259-9231. This is your show. You can take control of the airwaves. It's Free Talk Live. Hey, podcast listeners. I've been working with a couple of advertisers who have concerns about the ages of our podcast listenership. Generally, the younger the person, the more likely they are to fill out a survey. We need to counteract this trend. Please, take a moment to go to survey.freetalklive.com and let us know your age and sex. That's survey.freetalklive.com, especially if you're over 25. This is Free Talk Live, and the toll-free number for you to bring up whatever you want is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Mark? You can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, all of them. So enjoy that on us. Those other talk show hosts want to charge you for accessing their website. We give it away, including live streams, broadband version, dial-up version, webcam, all free for you at freetalklive.com. In fact, you can get straight to the streams by going to listen.freetalklive.com. Again, that's listen.freetalklive.com. We're talking about eminent domain and email following up a discussion we had, I think it was actually back in October. But the email pointing out some real, uh, I think, good reasons, one of them in particular, why Mark's kind of scary scenario of, well, nobody would be able to build the roads because people would get wind that someone was buying up the properties. They'd raise their prices beyond the point where the person could buy them. Nobody could build a road. And this guy pointed out a real good answer to that objection, and that is that the negotiations would go on with multiple property owners at the same time. Secrecy clauses would be involved. Various different routes would be planned out, and all of the negotiations on all the routes would be happening essentially simultaneously. So that that wouldn't even be a possibility. And because the buyers would understand that there was other negotiations going on at the same time for different potential routes, they would have a, a natural downward pressure on the, the potential price that the, the agreement would end up coming to. Uh, so very, I think it was an excellent uh, point that he made, but he continues with a few more thoughts. He says, I feel that your argument in favor of eminent domain is somewhat akin to the creationist pointing to some evolved structure, such as the flagellum saying, this could not have evolved naturally, therefore a creator must have designed it. This actually means, I cannot imagine how this evolved, therefore it must have been designed. 
Similarly, just because you cannot see how the free market would solve a particular problem does not mean that it cannot. Even if your argument is correct, and I think it is not, that would not justify the use of force. And I believe the property owner would have every right to defend his property against seizure with all resources and force at his disposal. If you adhere to the non-aggression principle, it is not necessary to understand all of the details to know what is right. And this principle must not be discarded for expediency, as this will simply bring back all of the evils of government in a short time, as each little aggression is justified as necessary. Well, I, I think that uh, I, I hear a couple of arguments in there that uh, I think don't hold water. So far, we've uh, you would you would agree that we are in a state of anarchy, um, uh, you know, no government an, um, at all times, and that when there weren't really governments around, um, you know, anarchy existed, right? Some would would point out that we're in a state of anarchy today. And uh, if uh, you can look at the, you can look at ancient Iceland and uh, and all the other anarchies out there because you just said they existed, um, and they failed. So the fact is, he's pointing out that government will just come back. I, I understand his concern, and I do have a concern that uh, small government will grow into large tyrannical government. It's a big concern of mine. However, I don't think that that you can you know babies and bathwater. You know what I mean? Um, no. What do you mean? Well. The, I don't think you should kill off a small government simply because it might grow into a large one. Um, they, we failed at this point. I too. have no love for people using force on others, so I will never embrace a small government. I understand that uh, government is nothing more than men and women. You will embrace it if it. Uh, no, I won't. If you're currently in a larger government and then go to a smaller one. Government I've, is. I've, I've heard you many, many times say that you'll take smaller government I'll over take what we it, have today. But that doesn't mean I'll embrace it or approve of it. I mean, I'm gonna, if they're if they're going to cut my taxes by fifty percent, I'm not going to argue. Uh, but as far as uh, government is concerned, government's nothing more than a group of men and women using a monopoly, you know, ha- with a monopoly of force over a certain geographic area. And there's nothing moral and there's nothing right about that. I don't care how small their activities are. If they're forcing people to uh, do things they don't want to do or forcing them to do things or to not do things they do want to do, they're going to, to come up against my opposition. Uh, all I'm saying is that... Uh the fact is, I'll, I'll, I'll agree that republics haven't worked so far, and I say that there's some things that we need to do in order to change that. Uh, but, you know, the, obviously, uh, we need constitutions with teeth, teeth, instant runoff voting. These two things would uh, go a huge way in, uh, you know, preventing the growth of government at this point. And anarchy, no government situations, they've all failed too. Uh, well, I don't know, Mark. I don't think anybody's really ever tried a anarchic situation that has to do with people actually coming to the conclusion that the concept of government is a is a bad one and rejecting it out of hand. I understand where you're, um, where you're so coming from on that, but that's really only null. the goal of um, every Republican and every Democrat here in the United States is if we could only get everybody to think like we do. The, I, I'm not you know, that system not going to work. Sorry, because you're not going to get everybody to think like you do, and that's why a small government or or no government scenario work because everybody's not going to think the same way and people need to have choices. I'm not asking everybody to think the same way. I'm just asking them to leave their neighbors alone. I think there's a difference there. I don't care what your ideology is or your worldview. Just stop forcing it on me. That's all. You don't have to think the exact same way as I do. You just have to stop being forceful towards your neighbors. That's all I'm asking. Uh, <laughs> got a long That's way to go to get to that. Is it, is it unreasonable for I, you to absolutely. ask those things? I have no problem with it that, It is my unreasonable. Friend. You're saying no, it's unreasonable? No, it is not unreasonable. No, not. I have no problem with that. You know I don't have a problem right. with it. But, I mean, how's it going? How's what going? <laughs> Getting there. We're working on it. 
800-259-9231. So John, uh, the emailer here, says, uh, I've not researched the subject, but I, and I'm sure there's much I've not considered to strengthen my arguments. As always, I enjoy the stimulating discussion on this topic. Free Talk Live rarely bores me. Your vigorous defense, Mark, of eminent domain caused me to think about the subject in more depth than I ever had before. Free Talk Live is often doing this sort of thing to me. So thank you for the email, John. We go to your phone calls about what you want and we talked to Paula in Florida. Paula, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, hang on. I've got some good news for you. Uh, here yeah. in Florida, we're starting to bring the property taxes down. And oh, yeah? Uh, uh, yeah, we have, we just talked to our county today, and they're going to have a meeting Tuesday. Electric County's already come on the TV about it. They're going to lower their taxes. Said this will help out everybody. And, well, if that's you know, true, got, I think it's a great idea. Yeah, well, we talked about what you were just talking about, about downsizing, mm-hmm. okay, the government. And all that here, I mean, even in the counties, we talked to them about this, too. Here's an idea, Paula. Uh, instead of using the term government, this is another one I picked up from uh, Stefan Molnier. No, no, Paula used the term government. Go- government or government or whatever. Uh, instead of using that term, how about we co- start calling it what it is instead of using this pretty little term that everybody's yeah. so enamored with? Instead yeah. of calling it government, how about we call it the violent monopoly? Don't listen to him. Because that's, that's what it impression. is. <laughs> Isn't that what it is? It's, yeah, a, it's an agency more, with I, with a monopoly I, over the use of coercive force in a specific geographic area, and it's it's violence is its number one tool. So well, there there might be other monopolies like the cable company or the power company, but they're not the violent monopoly. This is yeah. the violent monopoly. So let's yeah. start labeling it that way and then well, see know, what people the think of it. comes down to it. Uh, God owns the land, not the county or not the state. Okay, it belongs to him. Hmm. But anyway, I've got some big news for you. Does he have a title? Uh, we just found out that thousands of stores are going to start closing all over the country. And they're telling, even Watch is telling everybody. Thousands of what? Up. Just various different stores, you mean? Yep, lots of retailers. Thousands, thousands. Anyway, we found Well, Starbucks is closing like 600 stores, right? Millions and things so out of business. Really? But anyway, we just got some more news. Uh, because of the electrical problem, they said a lot of the big uh, uh, companies that produce things, all that, they said they can't pay their light bills now. And they said the power company is going to start shutting the power off like two hours, you know, at a time, and then cutting it back on. Brown out. And uh, hmm. this is going to be happening out all over the country because there's a lot of people that, you know, these big industrial players that can't pay their light bill. Catastrophe. It sounds yeah, bad. I mean, at least like, we're not in Zimbabwe. Well, the thing is, I mean, this is going to, you know, we're, we're getting into a serious situation. And uh, but anyway. Well, um, buy some gold, some silver, oh, yeah, some uh, yeah, some ammo, yeah. some liquor. Yeah. No, you don't food. need liquor. But, uh, well, I mean, now some people yeah, say that liquor would be good to have to trade in the <laughs> yeah. in the down economy if there's like a true uh, recession situation yeah. where you can't really get food too easily. If you've got liquor, yeah. people are going to want that. Cigarettes, people want that stuff. Well, see, like what we liquor live, holds we're longer the, though. We're out in the rural area, so I mean, we have fruit trees and we've got a garden, yeah, you know, good. going and I got stuff nothing. like that. But I'm going to be in trouble. Anyway, I've got uh, this is weird. I had planted a garden. I planted some herbs. I tell you what, the seeds have blown everywhere. They're They've all blown? along the road. They're growing. I mean, these herbs are coming up everywhere. I like a good herb, Paula. Thank you for the call tonight. <laughs> Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. There's rosemary everywhere. Uh, that is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Coming up, uh, Mark, you've got a couple different drug-related cop stories. Uh, one of them is a drug-dealing cop. Uh, plus, I've got one or, or two to throw in here. We'll do a, a corrupt cop's block here in a few moments, and of course, take your calls if you make them about whatever you want at 800-259-9231. Haven't done corrupt cops in a while. There's always a bevy of them to choose from. There's never any shortage of corrupt cop stories out there. Somebody could do an entire radio show with only corrupt cop stories if they wanted to. We'll share a handful of them here in moments and take your calls as well about anything. This is Free Talk Live. 
is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Maybe enough time for your call, but probably not. Uh, 800-259-9231, because all of a sudden the phones have blown up, so we will get right into these here. Uh, By the way, I want to invite you to our website at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, and if you like this show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier by going to amp.freetalklive.com. Get on board. For as little as three bucks a month, we take that money in, reinvest it into the show, getting on more radio stations, uh, helping Free Talk Live spread the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. You get perks, too. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com to get on board as we go to Dale, calling from our very own beautiful Keene, New Hampshire, on the amp line. Hello, Dale. Hey, guys. Hey there. So Mark was talking, you and Mark were talking about, uh, Mark was saying how we can't have anarchy unless everybody agrees to it. And what I was going to say is that the way uh, modern governments, modern authoritarian governments work is they, in order for them to work, they, they take massive compliance, like 99 point something compliance. And so I don't think we need uh, everyone to agree uh, in order to, um, to, in, to disrupt their violence. I think we just need a tireless minority that starts sort of a brush fire in the minds of people to get people to just stop obeying and complying with everything, and it will come to a screeching halt, I think. I think it's a, you know, just being a wrench in that is actually giving I don't, me a lot of optimism. I don't know that I was, in fact, saying that. I was correcting Ian on his, uh, well, you know, in this anarchist world or whatever, you would have uh, people with a whole new paradigm uh, thinking about things in such a way. I was correcting him on what he was saying there. I don't know that it necessarily would take uh, everybody agreeing, just backing my uh, co-host into a corner. <laughs> well, I'm just saying it's, it's a reason for optimism, and I don't think that, that, that that's been done yet. I mean, I think it's a relatively, now that, the, you know, now that we have the Internet and, info, and ideas and information are exchanged so rapidly, and I think it's what it's going to do is it's going to allow the good ideas to be, uh, and the bad ideas to be vetted more quickly and filtered more quickly. It does and seem think, to be uh, the case. This stuff is going to rise to the top more quickly, and we're going to see people rejecting the violence and the aggression of I think you're uh, right. I think, yeah, I think a lot of people and I, I, I think a lot of people understand that government is way too big. I mean when the, you go and you ask them that question, most of them will say yes. And I think that most people resent the idea a lot of people resent the idea of paying taxes, but they've been sort of brainwashed to believe that it's necessary in order to have a, a you know a nice uh, quiet, peaceful society in which to live. You know, the the cost of society is taxes or whatever. Freedom ain't free all the other cliches that they've been indoctrinated with over time. And so I think that most people you're dealing with are the follower sort. You know, whatever it is that seems popular at the moment is what is the bandwagon they're going to be willing to jump on. And I think you're absolutely right, uh, Dale, when you when you point out that that this tireless minority that's out there setting those brush fires for liberty out there, non-cooperating and, and showing people the, the the truth about government, and that is that it is uh, a monopoly agency with a co- with coercive force, uh, the violent monopoly, as uh, Molnieu is is putting it now. And I, I think I, I'm going to try to adjust my phraseology to replace the term government with the violent monopoly. But as as people are shown the truth behind what the government is, many of them are going to uh, to reject the concept of government, and they're going to come on board with us. And as liberty becomes more popularized, the followers will begin following the the liberty people instead of following the agents of coercion. And so, yeah, I mean, we're probably never going to have 100% because certainly there are always going to be those who wish to control others. But if those who were being controlled no longer wish to be controlled, there's nothing those who want to control can really do about it. Yeah, that's true. 
Any other thoughts? But, I mean, for us? it's way too much work to try and keep them, uh, and you know, to kind of constantly crack the whip. You know, right? They can't. I mean, yeah, they can't. That's why the system works. It goes back to what we were talking but, about they, before with you know, the big farm. They have to make examples out of a few people and get those people to cave and scare everybody with it. If that tactic stops working, it stops. It doesn't work. They can't. You know, it won't. They can't go for very long. Constantly cracking the whip and constantly uh, tyrannically micromanaging everybody. Absolutely, because it's too costly. They they make examples of a few people. That judge, when and and Lawrence Trial even said, you know, we have to make an example. We have to send a message to the underground that this is not acceptable. You know, because he saw us as a threat. Sure. We were just speaking our minds and saying that violence was wrong and that the government was being violent. And, and uh, you know, that idea is going to spread, and he knows it. Yeah. And so it's like he had to crack a whip on Lauren and make an example of her. If, if, if everyone doesn't fall in line like he's planning, then his his plan falls apart. Well, exactly. And it goes back to the discussion we were having earlier about the, the uh, sort of the idea that we're all just on a big farm and we're all essentially slaves on this big plantation. Uh, and that if you're trying to really micromanage your slaves like they did h- hundreds of years ago, it's incredibly costly. But if the slaves believe that they're free and they go and they, they produce and they voluntarily hand over the, their production, uh, the, the, whatever they've reaped from their production to you, the slave master, then that's a good deal. And that's what you're saying here is their entire system depends on people's consent with, you know, to go along with the rules, even though they don't like them, to go along with it. And as long as the yeah. people keep going along with it, then nothing will change. But if a, if a small percentage just stops and encourages others to do the same, then their whole house of cards will come uh, crumbling down. And I think that's what we're trying to achieve here in New Hampshire, but more specifically the Keene region, where a number of more non-cooperative uh, voluntary types. When you types. say we, you're not talking about me. All I want is lower taxes, man. That's all yeah. I'm looking for. Sure. And I, I meant specifically those who are engaging in non-cooperation. Get it, Mark. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get lower gonna taxes get it unless you oppose the, uh, the, the until you oppose it morally as theft. You're not going to get lower taxes. Oh, I'm I willing mean, to oppose it morally as theft. The thing you can work through the system and get the government to be smaller. It's not the nature of government. The only way government's going to get smaller is if we actually oppose it. It's not the nature I mean, of this particular so government. That's for sure. I'm sorry, what was that? It's not the nature of this particular government, that's for sure. Well, it's not the nature of any violent monopoly to shrink. I mean, yep. it's the nature of this to grow. Well, and, we haven't, and we we haven't created that, what... We're not going to actually shrink their power and their authority over us until we actually oppose them. Dale, how many how many republics... And when we play their little games and stuff, then we, then we fuel it and they get larger. Dale, how many republics have really been tried? Genuine, new, different ideas have been tried in the area of government. There's nothing new and different about violence, there's, Mark. There, there never... <laughs> It's a it's a bad idea. It's never going to work. It's 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 tragically flawed because it's illogical and irrational. Thank you, Dale, for the call. Appreciate that, sure. and thank you, sir. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk to Osborne in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live, Jason Osborne. Good evening, gentlemen. We hey. got breaking news out here in Texas. Breaking news and with uh, Sam I M from the Obscure Truth Network and Barry Cooper from Never Get Busted. Excellent. We just busted our first cops tonight. What happened? Well, we uh, set up a house that we rented uh, as a fake uh, marijuana grow operation. Okay, what'd you do? Put we a bunch had, of hot lamps in there or something? Yeah, we had uh, grow lamps and uh, everything, uh, you know, piped out the vents just like you would if you were growing <laughs> marijuana, except we didn't. We had a couple Christmas trees and a nice little sign that said Merry Christmas. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> and uh, tricked the cops into executing an illegal search warrant. Really? Uh, we had uh, surveillance set up all over the house on the front porch and uh, inside in the interior of the house. 
all wow. being uh, digitally recorded on site, and we were streaming it through the internet and watching it from a remote location. Sweet, beautiful. Uh, the cops, uh, true to form, uh, got their illegal search warrant, busted in the house. What was illegal uh, about the search warrant? Just, uh, just out of curiosity. They had no no probable cause. Okay. Wait, flying over with the the uh, the infrared thing is not good enough. Uh, they, well, they, you can't fly over with the infrared thing unless you have a warrant to do so. Really? Ah, okay, interesting. I, I think so. I, I could be wrong about that, or uh, it could be the case that the infrared thing is not enough to execute the search warrant. Oh, but Barry Cooper one, is a former. One of those, it's, it's illegal. We had uh, three attorneys on site uh, confirming ah. all. Wow. <laughs> so you caught him red-handed. Yep, I was I was manning the command center. It was awesome. Had uh, five screens in front of me. I was running all the cameras, uh, you know, <laughs> panning them around and zooming in on people, and uh, it was a good old time. And then uh, uh, Mary and the rest of the crew went over to the house and uh, confronted them, saying nice. they had a camera. Uh, we got it all on film, screaming at the cops and causing a big old scene, Barry Cooper style. Awesome. And uh, he doesn't know how to cause a scene, left, that Barry Cooper. The cops went back into the house to look around and search, mm -hmm. and uh, they had told the crew that they were going to confiscate all the video cameras. Sure they would. Well, they're walking around the house, and they're looking at all the cameras, and they, they're talking amongst themselves. And I hear them say, because I've got audio surveillance going on, uh, I wonder what they thought they were going to do with these cameras. And then they walk over to the cabinet where the DVR is, and I hear one of them say, Oh, shit. Oh, shit. oh you they are not able to say that on the radio. Nice job, Mark. He didn't say anything. Mark what? did. Oh, Mark did. Yeah. What a jerk. Anyway, yeah, he is a jerk. O-S-H. Unprofessional. They router. And yeah. then click. They cut the line. <laughs> so that's when they discovered they, so were, being, they, uh, they were being monitored over the internet. It yep, and I have it all on film. Awesome. And, then, and not only that, they unplugged it, but they didn't realize that I had... <laughs> everything was battery backup. So I've got additional film of them after they thought they weren't being filmed. Sweet. And, and Texas is, as I understand it, one of the states where you do not need the consent of those you are recording. Is that correct? I certainly hope not. <laughs> <laughs> so so, uh, so, when's this coming out? I mean, is there a release date on this yet, or are you still going to... Uh, I don't know. This, should be the, this is the, intended to be the pilot episode of our new reality show called Cop Busters. That is exciting. Very cool. Hey, Sounds like something... It's going to be on Odessa News tonight. Uh, Keep us in the loop on this, Jason, and let us know as, as this develops. Appreciate the call. Mark is a very bad, bad talk show host. We'll see you tomorrow night online in the meantime. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.